Yes, sir. And welcome to the road to Damascus, where it's not about the road, it's about the journey. And I want to thank you for tuning in to another episode of Road to Damascus. I'm your host, Brock Hendricks. And before I introduce the people that helped me stir the drink, I just want to first tell you how you can participate with the show. You can reach us by going to our Instagram page as well as our Twitter page. That is Road the number two Damascus. That's Road the number two Damascus on Instagram as well as on Twitter. Or you can reach us via email. That's at road to Damascus at iCloud.com. We would love to hear any feedback, any show topics, anything like that. So come on in as well as um, when you listen to our show, please rate us. Give us five stars and to steal somebody's line. If you give us four stars, I'm bound to think you're a hater. So, <laughs> uh, so let's go ahead and get this uh, thing started for the second Show in a row. It's uh, just me and the rabbi. So say what's up, rabbi. What's up, everybody? Yep, it's just us again. Uh, Lauren and uh, Stefan had some uh, prior obligations, but you know, I'm I'm done giving the the womp womps. Um, you know, we miss them. Uh, we wish they were here, but you know, the show must go on. And uh, today's topic, Shonda, is going to be a good one. Oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be one that uh, I know the last one we did was controversial, but I think this one might <laughs> even ruffle a few more feathers. So today, um, the topic that we are discussing is about the misinterpretation and misuse of Scripture. Um, how do we overcome beliefs that the church has been preaching and teaching for years and doing it incorrectly? Um so we're going to dive into some scriptures and dive into some things that have been misinterpreted and misused. And once you begin to understand it, I'm pretty sure we're going to get some feedback and pushback on this one. But go ahead, Rabbi, start us off. Well, there are. Oh, oh my gosh. I, I've said it in the in the in the last show. I've said it before. And I think it's befitting that I say it one more time that people aren't lost because they don't read the word. People are lost because they read the word and try to make it mean something that it doesn't mean or try to shift it so that it fits how they're already feeling. But tonight we're going to be delving into the difference between exegesis and eisegesis. And eisegesis is where you go in with the preconceived notion. And so everything you read tends to feed into your preconceptions, but to exegete a scripture is to clear your mind out and allow the Holy Spirit to really minister to you. What was he saying at the time he said it to whom he said it to? And you get historical context and grammatical information to help you understand what that scripture really means. And if you aren't doing that and all you have is how you feel about it, then of course, when you read it, it has to filter through those feelings, and it will always line up with what you were thinking when you went in. So tonight, let's get it. <laughs> so the the funny thing is that there have been, um, for those of you who need to know some of the history, um, Scripture has been used to justify slavery. Mm -hmm. um, scripture has been used to justify genocide. Scripture has been used to justify um, murder. 
scripture has been used to justify many erroneous acts that have taken place um, post Jesus. And when you begin to understand and learn the history of the book, then you begin to understand why um, the movie, the book of Eli is so powerful Mm. when Denzel Washington um, and this guy are, are basically fighting over the Bible. And he said, what he said, they will listen to me and they will follow me once I have the book because he knew that that book and that message of hope could be used as a weapon just as much as it could be used as a way to lift people up and encourage them. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely going to go there. So what, 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 what you got for us on the, on the, on the scrap paper, on the scrap paper today for us, Rabbi? (laughs) Well, I, I have a, I have a few things. Um, I, I didn't write down all of the scriptures that get misinterpreted, but I did write down a few. And one of them was um, Matthew chapter 7. I probably should have brought a Bible in here with me. Nah, you go ahead. Um, I'll pull it up. Go Matthew ahead. Matthew 7 and 1. It's, it's easy sometimes just to. Do not judge mm-hmm. or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with measure you use, it will be measured to you. This, this scripture right here is always used by people who have done something inappropriate or something wrong that they don't want you to say anything about. Absolutely. This is yeah. the, this is the only guy I can judge me exactly. scripture. And they pull that gun out the holster and shoot you right in the face with that one so that it can stop you. And um, ignorance is an attempt to absolve oneself of accountability. (laughs) But that is not what that scripture means. We are not forbidden to judge. This particular scripture, it was really. Well, well, before you continue. Okay. You also have to read the scriptures after that to Mm -hmm. get the full context. Yes. Um, and like I said, we're going to dive into some scriptures and we're going to talk. But the thing that's funny is I remember when I was <clears throat> learning, being taught how to really study the Bible. And I remember the guy said, I'm just going to keep it simple for you. You got to when you're reading a scripture to fully understand what you're reading. Sometimes you have to read the pretext and the post text yes. to get the context. Mm-hmm. And I always have stuck to that. Read the pretext, the post text to get the context. And the pretext could be um, several scriptures before, and the post text can be several scriptures following. And just another thing, too, just so you know, when the Bible was being written, they weren't breaking it up into chapters and verses. It right. was written is one long message. So there was no. Um, when Moses was writing Genesis, he didn't write um, Genesis first chapter and then say, right. all right, I'm done. A- after the seventh day, he's like, all right, chapter two. Right. You right. know what I'm saying? That's how it was then broken down and interpreted and things like that. So, right. sorry, go ahead, continue. No, you're fine. <clears throat> this, this was more so about hypocrisy than judgment. Like, if that's what you're going to do, be aware of the beam in your own eye 
Because normally what we're dealing with is bigger than the thing we're trying to pass judgment on. The thing that you're harboring or that's sticking out of your own situation is bigger than what we're passing judgment on. And the Bible also says, if a brother be overtaken in the fault, you who are spiritual, go to him and restore him, taking heed to yourself. Do it in the spirit of meekness so that you won't be overtaken. How is that? If I... You're overtaken in the fall. I'm not judging. I can see it. It also says in John chapter 7, 24. All right. Is this another scripture you need oh, me to no, pull up? Okay. Script. Okay. Okay. Judge not according to appearance, but judge righteously. So. Don't judge based on the appearance. No. Don't judge based on your five senses. God gives us the criteria of which we can judge a situation. And that's righteously. Right. And what also I, what I've said to people, the Bible says you could tell a tree by the fruit it bears. Absolutely. And so you can be a fruit inspector. And if a tree ain't bearing good fruit, that's that's all you need to know about the tree. I ain't got to say nothing. Got to say nothing. So we got to stop saying, oh, well, you you can't judge. You can't. Ju-. That's not that's not true. That's not true. There's an entire book in the Bible called Judges. And there was man who was doing the judging. Who was doing the judging. We are absolutely the and they right. were wicked judges too. Hello, <laughs> we just can't be hypocritical about. No, it. and that and that's the thing. So, uh, the first scripture that I'm gonna hit you with for the misused and misinterpreted scripture is uh, Matthew. We're gonna stay in Matthew. Okay. Chapter 18, verse 20. And most people know this scripture as the for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with thee. And we have used that scripture to say when we have little small group gatherings and we're and we're trying to have church and it's only a few of us. But with two or three gathered together in your name, you are in the midst. So we know God is in the midst. But then the thing that we have to understand is when you go to the scriptures before that and remember, we have to go up. And it's funny because this scripture literally the way it breaks down, because I'm on my uh, tablet is the beginning of this scripture. It starts off at verse 15. It says what dealing with sin in the church. So you go to verse 15 and it says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their faults just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Truly, I tell you, whether you bind what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, which we misuse that scripture too. Now that we I didn't even catch that one uh, again. Truly, I tell you that if two <clears throat> or of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my father in heaven for where two or three are gathered in my name. There I am with them. That scripture is basically telling you that when somebody is doing something, they have no business doing, then it should just be handled by a small group and that God will be in the midst of that. If you have to handle that person, if you have to remove them from the church, if you have to remove them from or what will we use? Disassociate them 
from the church and from scripture and things like that. That doesn't mean that when you only got five people that showed up to church and we about to pray, because when I pray and I'm at home by myself, God is in the midst. I don't need to have somebody else there with me for him to show up. And it's all, and actually it, it, it's me and the Holy Spirit. So there's, right. there, I'm sorry to mean no, it, but there's two already within the midst. So though that is another scripture that we misuse or misinterpret and things like that. You got another one for us, Rabbi? Oh, absolutely. Why don't we go over here to this one? <laughs> this might upset a few people. Uh-oh. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. This has nothing to do what, with. You want to get a scripture? And a, oh, I'm sorry. So, Philippians 4 and 13. Okay. This has nothing to do with dunking a basketball. This has nothing to do with buying a car off the lot and what kind of car. It has nothing to do with um, somebody saying, you know what, today I'm going to lift. I'm going to bench press 450 because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and you haven't trained for that. This was, this was Paul finally on his way to Rome. He had been imprisoned. He had been shipwrecked. He had been chained to a Roman soldier, and now he was facing execution. So he was saying, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I know what it is to be well-fed. I know how it is to be hungry. I know how to be content in every situation. And I do all of this through Christ who strengthens me. This was a scripture about hardships. Through strengthening Christ, we can succeed in hardships that even might lead to death. But we use it trivially. People use it for trivial purposes to try to bring God into things that you can do yourself. That's not how it's supposed to be. Amen. Amen. Super misused, misinterpreted. Oh, yeah. And things like that. So before we get some more scriptures, why do you, not why? (laughs) You know I love the why questions. Yes. How did we get to this part? How did we get to this point? Excuse me. How did we get to the point where we just blatantly. Just blatantly. Well, ignorance is bliss. Okay. And it's been passed down this way. We tend to read scripture the way we've been told. There are a couple of ways we read it. One, we read it the way we've been taught to read it. So however the person Um, who's teaching you is doing it, that's probably how you're going to do it and interpret it as well. And the second part is we don't read scripture as it is. We read it as we are. So if we are um, just not good students by nature, and if we are corrupt and wicked, when you read the Bible, your interpretation is going to be skewed. We have to go into it with the blank mindset and allow the Holy Spirit to give us real meanings and those of us who are teachers have the responsibility of really diving into it to exegete it correctly so that we're not like Manasseh leading the people wrong you remember y'all remember Manasseh how he led the people wrong he led them out into idolatry then he got himself together and came back to God but the people (laughs) they couldn't come back right they were so convinced the way he had taught them they couldn't come back that's the danger and being a teacher or a preacher who misinterprets scripture, you may get the revelation one day and, and be able to make it back. But the people that you've led wrong could potentially be stuck for life. So they drank the Kool-Aid and you had to pull the trigger. 
Yeah. Because that's what Jim Jones did. He didn't drink the Kool-Aid. No. He shot himself. He didn't drink the Kool-Aid. He's like, no, nah, I ain't going out like that. But, no, I, I, it's, a, it's, it's amazing to me that we can – I'm, I'm going to tell you what's amazing to me. I'm getting tongue-tied. What's amazing to me is we will read – we'll go back and read this, which I hope you people read these scriptures and just don't take them as people give them to you. When you hear them and you happen to run across it in the Bible, that when you start to see it in context – how do you still not go back and say, well, pastor, I've heard this scripture said this way a thousand different times by a thousand different pastors, by a thousand different members of your church. And why aren't we correcting that? To me, these are the type of scriptures that need to be used in Bible class when we're doing Bible study to get people to understand the word. These are the ways that we need to help people Um get out of the malaise of of misusing and misinterpreting scripture so that it can then become effective in your life. Right. Because we're not saying these scriptures aren't effective. What we're saying is, is that you're misusing them in a way that, you know, you're not getting no power from it. Right. If, if I, if I, I have an iPhone, you have an Android. Yes. I can't use your charger to charge up my phone. And you can't use my charger to charge up your phone. Yes. I have to use the charger that came with this phone or buy one that is made for this phone for it to work effectively, mm -hmm. as do you. But if I try to use yours and think, well, it'll work, it ain't going to get me no power. Right. And there will be no power if I don't use it correctly. So an another scripture, and this is one that I, me and you, I think we even talked to Stefan about. Jeremiah. You already know where I'm going, don't you? 29, 11. Jeremiah 29 and 11. <laughs> for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then will you call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Okay. Well, I've read 12, but 29 and 11, I have heard that scripture. When I say hundred and Two million times, I just want to say, people, God knows the plans he has for us. But when he gave Jeremiah 29 and 11, he was talking to the children of Israel who were in captivity at the time. They had just been taken into bondage. They had been prophesied that they were going to go into bondage. And he was letting them know that even though you're going to bondage, that I still love you, that I'm still going to be here there for you, that my thoughts of you are good and not of evil, that you may come to your expect like you eventually get back to me, but I'm going to have to go on and let you be in somebody else's domain for a little bit. Yes. That is what that scripture means. That scripture doesn't mean that he, he individually, he knows what he wants us to do and he is moving us forward. But that scripture is for a group of people the children of Israel and what they were about to go through. And we, and that is one of the most misinterpreted, misused scriptures. And I remember um, when I had finally kind of got the revelation about that. And it's almost like now when I hear people use it, it's just like, all right, I got to stop. Just stop. it, Just stop right there. Right, right. And that's what we did to Stefan that one day when we was on the podcast. And it wasn't that we were trying to be, I wouldn't say over religious, but it's like 
look, I love you too much. As we said on the last podcast, I love you too much to have you out here looking bad. Right. I can't have you out here when people say, you know, me and you misusing that scripture. And and these are the things <clears throat> that we have to say. And, and I'm going to say this. One of my favorite scriptures is study to show thyself approved, a good worksman who need not be ashamed, but rightly divides the word of truth. That is not being misinterpreted or misused. You have to study and you have to get a greater understanding of what you're studying. You have to understand the word and not just reading the the Bible, but sometimes you have to have secular books in front of you as well. And if you think that the people in biblical times only just had the Torah in front of them, no, they had other writings and things like that. They understood the the temperature and the time and the um and the things that were going on in that day and time. So it, it's just funny to me. So that is definitely one that's misused. You got another one for us, Rabbi? Of course. Ask and it shall be given. We use this scripture and people think that whatever they ask God for, they're gonna get it. That's not how that works. That's not how it works. Well, that's that's how prosperity. I mean, you don't tell that we we about to mess up some money lines. Oh well, yeah, we about to give up all the church's money. That's not that's not how that works. That's not what it means. This was really, you know, Jesus defending Mary over Martha for choosing discipleship, and right underneath that, you find the prayer, or right above it, the the Lord's prayer, and. Teach us to pray. He said, pray for forgiveness of sins, daily bread, and revelation of the kingdom. If you ask for these things, it will be given unto you. These things, not the cars, not the houses, not the new clothes, not the shoes. I like nice things like everybody else. I want to ride. I want to be in the car where the air come on, you know, in the summer, in the heat, in the winter. I want to walk in my house and not fall through the floor. You know what I mean? I want nice things like everybody else. But I, I didn't stand in the car lot going, Lord, what kind of car should I buy? What color should I buy? Hey, get the one you can afford. This is not that kind of party. He's teaching us kingdom principles with asking you shall receive. It has nothing to do with the things we want. But because we have taught this to people, we have interfered with people's ability to actually pray prayers that are effectual. <sighs> That was that was a heavy one right there. We've done it, and 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 these are and the thing that we're trying to get people to understand these are scriptures that they use to justify prosperity gospels. These are scriptures that they use to um, exalt. Um, what me and you had a conversation. Where I can't think of the scripture right now, but it was one of my your classes that I was in, and you said this is a scripture, and when they use it, they they. They tear down the house with this scripture and you done heard it preached. Do you remember what scripture that is? Um, uh, the yoke shall be destroyed. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Go ahead. Get, get, <laughs> there it is. Give that one. Yeah, that had, the yoke shall be destroyed because what? of the anointing. That has nothing to do with somebody, the fire falling on you and you preaching well. Right. You know what I mean? It, it deals with the, the oxen plowing the field and you, you, hitch a young oxen to an older one and as he grows 
his neck begins to swell and the, the harness pops off because he's gotten too fat for that yoke to hold him. That's what this description deals with, the, the fatness, how you grow in God to the point where you swell in him, where the chains and the yokes that are binding you snap because you've gotten too fat for it. Listen, nothing to do with your feeling the fire in the moment. You know what I mean? Nothing to do with a good dance. I ain't taking nothing away from a good dance because it's been a minute. I wouldn't mind having one myself. Right. But that's not what it's. <sighs> so. Um, or. Go ahead. Lay hands suddenly on no man. Oh. This has nothing. Hey. Hey, y'all. There may be some times in a moment's notice you need to pray for somebody. That's not what that scripture means. It deals with ordination. That you shouldn't ordain, you shouldn't lay hands suddenly on anybody to ordain them, and they have not been properly vetted. Oh well, that's something. Say that one again. Say say that one again. Yeah, we should not say we that should one. Not be suddenly laying hands on people to ordain them for positions and titles, and they haven't been vetted to prove that they have the function. So, what if the person goes from calling themselves like a preacher? to an apostle and mm -hmm. things like that, just self-labeling themselves. You know what, B, that is the wonderful thing about our Constitution. We have that freedom of speech. You can call yourself whatever you want to call yourself, but when the rubber meets the road and it's time for you to have that function and you don't have it, you have done a disservice to everyone who has called you by that title and you've done a disservice to yourself. And people want title without function. Without function. You and should not even get a title until you have proven that you can function in that area. You can't get a badge until you go through the police academy and prove that you can follow the basic training, that you can shoot straight. You know, you have to be able to run and, and, and jump. You can't be a fireman without going through the, the training. You got to prove you can carry a body that's 160 pounds of dead weight up a flight of stairs or down a flight of stairs that you can hold that hose with that powerful water shooting through it. You got to prove that you can do it. You can't do surgery without proving you can't, we're not going to, uh, you can't be on the board of surgeons. You know, we're not going to give you this degree. We're not going to classify you as a specialist until you can prove that your hands are steady, that you can actually go in on this cadaver that you can actually perform the functions that you say you can. The church is the only place where you don't have to show your function before you can get a title. Now you done made some folks mad. We done probably lost about five listeners. <laughs> um, and then the last one I remember, and these, the ones I'm bringing up now is ones me and Shonda have talked about over the um, couple years, the lamp unto my feet. What, it, what what was you also brought that one up before? Yeah, uh, um, a lamp. In, your word is a lamp into my feet and a light into. My, I don't know what people think that means. It it only gives you enough. That means you get enough to take the next step. You know what I mean? The back in the day they didn't have street lights in biblical times. They didn't have street lights, so they tied lamps around their feet so that they could see. It was just enough light for them to take the next step. That's how the word of God is. You know, it's, it's the vision of God or the word of God written in your heart that empowers you to make the next step. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighted in his way. 
It's not left with man who walks to direct his own steps. This word is tied to your feet to, to lead and guide you one step at a time where you're supposed to go. But they use it in songs and, oh, yeah. and, and we can preach it down and, and all that other stuff. And you, oh, that word was powerful. And then you leave with no power because you was using the wrong charger. Right. And you still can't take the next step. So how do we get out? Of, you know what I'm saying? How do we get out of this? You got to read. And there's a difference between reading, which has comprehension attached to it, and just calling the words. Anybody can just call the words. So if you can sit down with this, the book of life and just call the words that you, you're not taking any notes, there's no revelations, there's not a moment where you black out because it's so powerful and it's so big and it's so vast that you don't close your eyes and imagine um, the Ethiopian eunuch in the desert and Philip just appearing to him because he's reading the book of Isaiah and he can't understand it. And he's pondering these words and Philip appears to him and says, do you understand what you're reading? And he's like, no, how can I, unless somebody explain it to me. And then Philip takes the, and preaches Jesus to him from an old Testament scripture. Now, if you can't black out for a few moments when you read that and feel that, then you're just calling words. That's all I'm saying. Do you just want to do the podcast by yourself no, today? Cause no. you all fired. No, I'm just saying you all fire today. <laughs> I, I can't even I can't even keep up with you right now. You 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 on a, a whole nother level. But no, I agree. I just think that what it is, I remember when um I first took your class and you was like, Okay, I really want you to come to this class that I'm teaching. And uh when you come, you're gonna need this book and this book and this book. So it's like, wait, wait, I'm coming to your class and you telling me that I gotta spend some money on some books? No, I mean, so you can understand what you need this book and this book and this. I mean, you don't have to get it, but if you want to truly I, take I, the I next step, books, right. you need this book and this book and this book. And I lose I that bag. Right. <laughs> and I have to <laughs> reorder all the books and a new bag because the book was helpful. And it was, and, and it, I, I'm, you owe me some money. Right. <laughs> no, I'm just messing with you. I'm messing with you, but, um, the reason that I wanted to do this topic and just kind of bring up some of these scriptures, though, was I don't want you no. Know, the Bible says for a lack of knowledge, my people shall perish. Yes. And we have to understand that um, knowledge is power. And if we don't understand and truly know what we're talking about, that is how we begin to lose people. That's how we begin to allow um, people to be seduced by other um, um, faiths and other religions and things like that. Because I'll be honest with you. I don't know uh, when we, cause we going to end up doing an uh, episode on apologetics, but I don't know if any of you have come across the, someone like a Hebrew Israelite, them brothers know scripture Yes, and they will sit there and, and that's how they get their, their, their doorway to even get to you. Cause they ain't reading from a mystic book they're not right. talking about the Quran. No, we're going to go through the Bible, brother. Mm -hmm. and your they, book. Your book. And I'm going to tell you why you are the true Hebrew and not them. Right. And they start hitting you with scriptures and, and it'd be like, oh, that makes sense. Right. Why? Because you don't know it for yourself. Exactly. 
And it's easy for you to be seduced. It's easy for you to fall into traps. It's easy for you to be misled. What did Jesus say? The blind? Leading the blind. They all fall in the ditch. Yep. So you got folks who don't know what they're talking about leading folks who only listen to them and don't know that the person is wrong. And then they all fall in a, in a ditch. And those are the words from Jesus. So we have to really begin to study, understand, and know what we're talking about. This is, this is especially the people listening to us that are ministers, that are teachers, that are people who, you know, and matter of fact, we are all ministers and teachers and, and, and preachers and all that other stuff. We are all called to, to carry out the great commission. So if you're going to carry out the great commission, you need to know what you're talking about. Jesus said, let he who has an ear hear. And if you don't have an ear and you don't have a word, then you ain't bringing nobody in. So go ahead, Rabbi. It's kind of like people who've never experienced love, who didn't grow up in a loving household how they will fall for the first person who says, I love you, which is why fathers are necessary, you know, in, in the home or two, both parents are necessary because you establish a foundation of love because how you talk to your fathers, how you talk to your daughters gets them accustomed to how men should talk to them. It's the same way when it comes to the word of God, you need, you need the father to help you understand it. So when somebody says something to you that just tickles your ears or just sounds good for a moment, you don't just fall for that and take it as truth because your father has already given you an insight to what he was trying to say in the beginning. Um, like, for instance, the love of money is the root of all evil. First Timothy 6 and 10. All in this particular scripture doesn't mean all as in entirety. Because what sense would that, how would the love of money connect to fornication? It doesn't. The love of money is the root of all kinds of sins. But we don't take time to study words like all, because just because it's in here and it's an English word that you recognize as an English word, a lot of words have been changed or transposed or words have been taken out, replaced with other words so that it makes sense to you as you read. But you don't know that it was all kinds before it was reduced to all. So you have this idea somehow that the love of money is the root of all, all evil. And it's not, you never think about, well, how do I connect money to this? We don't ask questions. So we don't get answers and we stay ignorant and we pass that ignorance along. I think you just want the Jamaican air horn today. That's why I just think that you No, but no, I agree. I mean, and, and that's the thing, like love, the word love. There are four different interpretations for the word love in the Bible, whether it be agape, mm -hmm. meaning like God's love, unconditional, uh, philia, meaning like a brotherly love and things like that. I can't think of the other two words. So don't, um, um, philia. Agape, eros. eros, which is like brother and sister, right? Is that the one that's brother and sister? Huh? No, I, I, but I, but I'm, I'm, cause I don't have that. I didn't, wasn't expecting to bring that up, but it's not, or she's looking it up right now. So she'll be able to tell us, but no, there's four different types of love. So that's why it's important to have your study Bible. 
to have concordance to understand that the word love right there might mean a different type of love that the word, like you said, all may mean something totally different that even, um, before we started the podcast, me and you were watching a video and it was talking about God and it was L, um, um, L, but then it was talking about other gods where it was like lowercase G like, why is there a uppercase G and a lowercase G and things like that with through the Hebrew Bible? So there's ways that you have to get greater understanding and know what you're reading and not and understanding that just because you um, have mastered the English language doesn't mean that you understand what you're reading. Right. Because it can mean something completely different than what you thought it may have meant. Because the Bible was not written. In English language. No, it wasn't. But you can't convince people of that. No, it was. Oh, matter of fact, <laughs> I'm going to bring this up. So, um, and this kind of is just why it's important and how ignorance can, um, can, um, bring you to your knees. So I was on Twitter, um, a week ago. This is about a week ago. I was on Twitter and, um, I follow some people on Twitter. Um, and one of the people that I follow on Twitter is a, a author by the name of Duke L. Kwan. Duke L. Kwan is a um, is a Christian and he wrote a book called Reparations, a Christian call for repentance and repair. And the reason I brought his name up isn't to have to do his book. But uh, Mr. Kwan had tweeted out. That coming to us on September 11th, 2021 is a, a new Bible, Shonda. It's coming out September 11th. So okay. you kind of use your imagination. Um, it's called the God Bless the USA Bible. In this Bible will include the U.S. Constitution and the Bill of Rights, the Declaration of Independence, the Pledge of Allegiance, the lyrics to God Bless the USA and this book will be coming out. Um, this, um, the limited edition God bless the U S Bible is available for pre-order now. And it will be coming out. Like I said, um, on the anniversary of nine 11 to to commemorate the 20 year anniversary of the, um, attack on America during nine 11. And all those things that I said will be in the Bible. I don't know what else will be in there. Um, it might take out the Exodus story and <laughs> some other scriptures, but that's where we're getting to, Shonda. Why is why is that necessary to put inside the Word of God? Because you just said you just said out of your mouth that the Bible was written in English in America. By Thomas Jefferson, right? Didn't you say that? No. You didn't? No. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I misinterpreted that. Um, But, yeah, no, it's just amazing to me that that's where we're heading. And we have to understand, like, that. to me, that when I saw that, it just made my jaw drop. I thought I sent it to you, but it just made my jaw drop when I saw that. And that's where we're heading, where... You will put information in there to justify what you want. Like you said at the very beginning, 
You want to justify your feelings, your emotions, or your beliefs. And that's why they're doing that with that particular Bible. You shaking your head. What you I thinking? Am. Just because there's there's no way for us to avoid accountability to God's word. You know, ignorance of the law is, is no excuse. Um, you have been told that we need it to survive. It's the roadmap. It's the mind of God. It's the plan of God. This is, there's no way for me to understand how you think without having some conversation with you. Like th- th- on a personal level, there's no way for me to know you intimately without us having conversation. Correct. There's no way for me to know how you feel about certain things without us having some conversation. There's no way you could send me to deliver a message for you without us having relationship because I have to deliver this message the way you would deliver it if you could be there. And if we don't have relationship, then I don't have that part of you where I could take this message and they could understand, okay, this is really coming from him because they have relationship in order for you, in order for you to bring a message to me from the word of God, you have to have relationship so that you don't get the message wrong so that it's not filtered through your feelings so that there are no outside entities feeding you additional information to add or telling you to take. So my feelings don't matter. So no. my, my ninth place trophy not even to the make first me place. feel better about myself? No. No, shouldn't even be a trophy for ninth, ninth <laughs> place. So all of you trophies for participation people, God bless you. I'm not one of those. Okay. No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut we you gotta off. We got to have this relationship. So when you open, if you buy this new Bible and you open it up, immediately you understand, oh, okay, this Put that back. I'll be honest with you. I just want to buy it just to see how it's going to look and be integrated in there. I, it's like I, I was wrestling with, because it's on pre-order, I was wrestling with like, do I want to spend this money? But it's like I'm so intrigued. You know what I'm saying? Maybe if we all put a little bit of money in together, right. we could just be sharing like, can you believe this? Can you, you can bring it in here and talk yeah, about it. Yeah, we could talk about podcast. it in a podcast episode. Like, all right, y'all ready? For the God Bless America Bible, because we about to go through. That's what God bless the USA Bible. I'm I'm right, right next to Jeremiah Wright with that. <laughs> Uh-oh. About that. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Um, so before we'll be wrapping up in a second, do you got another scripture for the people to help them, Rabbi? Do. <laughs> I might need security to get to the car. All right. Well, I, I got my I got my peace with me. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit. And And that is? The part about this that people, oh, I'm sorry, Um, John 4, 24. I have, okay. Got it? Yep. Most people use this um, scripture to make people who don't believe as they do feel like they can't worship God. Who are we to tell anybody that they can't worship? We're Christian. Mm Mm-hmm. So we could tell people those type of things. We can make people feel bad about nurse serving God. Christians are some of the most unlike Christ people ever. And God has to be, he, he, we have to worship him. There are so many types of worship. This, this is a whole nother podcast. <laughs> Go ahead. The woman that he was talking to. Okay. Wouldn't have been one of the people 
who we felt like he should have been talking to about worship. She wouldn't have been one that people would have looked at and say, hey, there's a worshiper right there. But he took the time to explain to her who he is and how he should be worshiped. This is not for us to tell people that they can't worship. It's a scripture for us to tell people how to worship. That's where we get it wrong at. It's not for us to determine who can and who can't. We're just supposed to explain to people how they can, what worship looks like, the difference between praise and worship, how praise is a vehicle that takes you into the ascension of worship. I don't have to believe what you believe to do that. Amen. Well, you know, um, Mahat Gandhi once said, if all Christians acted like Christ, the whole world would be Christians. <laughs> Hit the... <laughs> the truth if we all just did it the way god said do it if we loved everybody evenly just across the the playing field if we leveled it and everybody existed on the same there wouldn't be any animosity between us oh you love god wow i didn't I, i was watching you in your moment or in your intimacy with god and it was so attractive made me want to do it I'm, I'm not like you. I'm not loud. You know, I have a friend, uh, Tracy, if you listen to this, Tracy's, she's loud. She's boisterous. She's really animated. So when she go in, everybody know, you know what I mean? When she hit that stride, she gets really loud with God. Everybody knows that's not me. And so when people make statements, like if you were at a football game, nobody would have to tell you to cheer. Or if we were at a game, it would be louder than this. It would not. Because I'm not a yeller. It doesn't matter where I am. I'm not yelling. You can't make somebody be something they're not. That they're not. And we do it even when it comes to the, the sacred things of, of church. And I think I think we said it all. I said this off mic before we started this podcast. But when, when you accept Christ, there's a heart change, not a culture change. Right. Who you are is who you are. And I think we talked about this before but if if you believed in not splitting cracks and 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 your mother's back and all that other stuff you know we could look at that as but that if that's been your whole life splitting the pole and stepping on cracks you could serve i know people who christian fruit bearing love the lord mm-hmm. in spirit and in truth as far as i can know and these folks still believe in the stepping on cracks, the black yep. cats, the splitting split pole. pole. You know what I'm saying? And Don't it's, sweep my feet. Right. Yeah, you know, so yeah. to, to sit and, and, and try to, um, but it, to me, though, that, those are browbeaten. Yes. We try to browbeat people into doing something that you can't browbeat people into doing. Right. But we try. Because in order for us to feel comfortable, everybody needs to look the same. That's not how this works. No, I'm, I, I just, I guess the, the thing to me is, um, as I've gone on my journey, um, and I think I, I always say this, that, you know, I, I gave myself to the Lord uh, August 17th, 1999. And I didn't get saved to about 2010, 2011, when I really started to get out of tradition mm-hmm. 
and get into relationship because I had been raised in tradition. I had been raised in, in all of these things. These scriptures that we use now mm-hmm. or have talked about now, I used to misuse them. I right. misinterpret until I got into relationship. Right. Um, and I don't know. I, I might've shared this on a previous podcast, but Fred Price, um, rest, rest in uh, heaven, as you know, some folks say, but um, he just left us not too long ago. But the turning point for me for scripture, I was watching Frere Price with my uncle. My uncle watched Frere Price every Sunday. Evidence, evidence. <laughs> um, he used to watch Frere Price. So Frere Price had did a, um, a series about, um, Christ, um, the nativity scene. Okay. And he said that we had, he said every nativity scene that you ever seen is incorrect. And he said that when you see a nativity scene, you see Jesus, Mary, Joseph, shepherd, and the wise men. He said the wise men were not there when Jesus was born. He said the wise men didn't come until Jesus was about two or three years old. And then even if you read the scripture, it says they came to the house where Jesus was. Mm -hmm. He was born in a manger, not a house. But the thing is, is in our minds, because we drive cars, we think of travel is if I know the, 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 the risen Christ is coming and I'm driving from, let's just say from Maine to California, Mm -hmm. might be a six day drive. Right having to make a couple stops, but you're going to get there in six days and the day that the baby is born. But if I'm traveling by horse Mm -hmm. or walking or walking, it's going to take me a little bit longer. Right. May take me months, may take me years. This ain't a, this ain't like Norway. Like when they was traveling by sea and all this other stuff, it wasn't like the carnival cruise line that y'all taking today. There were no motors in those boats. So when they were doing a transatlantic slave trade, these were months and months and 18 months, nine months, 10 months journeys mm-hmm. from these countries to the, and that's why so many died on the boat and things like that. And when, when I heard him break that down and, and, and the way he broke the scripture down, it let him, it let me know at that point, I really need to start studying and understanding this for myself. And making sure that I know what I'm talking about. Because you, at that time, I don't know if I would have believed it, but if you would have told me, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that probably makes sense. Mm. But to hear him talk about it and then break it down with the scripture and why it was wrong, it changed. It like it was like one of those, I opened them up. I ate the fruit. Right. <laughs> I ate the fruit, and I saw that I was naked. Right. And you know what? Once I realized I was naked, I had to do something about it. Right. I couldn't be naked no more. Right. Right. (laughs) That's the thing. Like When you realize, like, oh, I'm exposed. You got exposed so you could fix it. Right. You didn't just get exposed just for the exposure's sake. You got exposed so you can fix it. Not wait until you don't feel like that no more and carry on. Right. Fix it. Amen. So that was, I think I I enjoyed this podcast. I really did. So we're going to close this out. So go ahead, Rabbi, and hit us with your closing statement. 
All right. Uh, I'm actually going to close with with the scripture. Second Timothy 2 and 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And that means we have to learn and practice the difference between exegesis and eisegesis if we ever want to get it correct and become good stewards over the world. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Um, I'm just going to leave you with this. There are ways that we, let me start this. Five, six, let me start it over. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good job, Shonda. So I'm going to just close out and I'm just going to say this. A lot of times we can find ourselves in situations where we start to develop the truth and we start to hear the truth and we have questions and the questions that we have aren't being answered anymore. Just know that that fire in your belly, that, that, that flame that is starting to light up in you is the Lord wanting you to get closer to him. And if you want to truly know him and understand him, you have to build your relationship with him and building your relationship with him is knowing what he said. Man cannot live by bread alone, but out of the word of the Lord or man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that coming out of the mouth of the Lord. If you want to know what he's saying, you have to know his word. Shonda closed with second Timothy. That is the truest scripture that you need to know. You have to study this thing and truly get a greater understanding. And when you start to fuel that fire with lighter fluid and that flame catches on fire, you will find yourself really walking in spirit and in truth. And with that said, I just want to thank you for listening to another episode of road to Damascus where it's not about the road. It's about the journey. And then until next time, God bless. We're out.